1: Presented by AT&T.
0: Connecting changes everything.
1: Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That's our super producer, the one and only Max Williams. Give it up for him. My name is Ben, um, and I, I owe you, Noel and Max, a personal thank you for not ostracizing me, even though I totally dipped out of town for a minute. Well, Ben,
0: I mean, everybody deserves to get away, to fly away. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that could. Yeah, that could be. That uh, I, I like that. I like that idea, Noel. I think maybe the one of the important things here is that uh, I, I left temporarily and uh, largely of my own volition. I'd say about eighty percent of my own volition. I didn't get uh, kicked out. Uh, have you guys ever got kicked out of anything? What an hmm. open-ended question. <laughs>
0: kicked out yeah i once uh no oh gosh max how about you you know any 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 any, any, you've ever been asked politely to leave oh politely and unpolitely um (laughs) okay if my if my friends phil and nathaniel are listening they can remember us at a bar on king street in charleston south carolina a few years ago Mm -hmm. yeah we got asked very unpolitely to leave and we totally well they were fine i totally deserved to be Asked unpolitely to leave. Did you put up a fight or did you go uh, quietly into that dark night? I went pretty quietly. Okay. No, no, no. It wasn't karaoke. It was just a, yeah, I deserved it. (laughs) Bartender who was at that bar, uh, if you're listening, I am sorry. I know you don't know who I am, but I am sorry.
1: Max with a past. I love Mm -hmm. it. Um, I think we've all found ourselves sometimes at one point or another in some kind of situation where we don't feel comfortable, and uh, or we have maybe found ourselves in a situation where, for one reason or another, we're asked to leave, sometimes politely, like Noel said, sometimes not politely, like Max said. And, uh, you know, I was thinking there are some jobs where no matter what you do, you're not going to please everyone, like the job of being the president, I would say, of anything, not just the U.S., Uh, you'll have people who want you to GTFO and today's episode is about what uh, one of the um, processes or the concepts that the very, what, like very early days of democracy, the government in ancient Greece figured out their own solution to this problem uh, over in Athens, right, Noel? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we think of the word ostracized today, and it has kind of um,
0: connotations of maybe just sort of giving someone the cold shoulder, you know, like uh, not letting someone hang in your clique anymore. And you don't do it like as a formal thing. It just sort of happens. you sort of ghosted, right? Over time, you start to realize, oh, my homies are not my homies anymore, and now I am sort of left alone because I see them hanging out in the lunchroom or, or, or the, the quad or whatever. Um, hell, in, in the, by the water. Cooler. And they are no longer including me. It is a form of excluding. But in ancient Greece and Athens, like you said, this was essentially a borderline codified solution to keeping demagogues from rearing their ugly heads in politics, where there was a rule built into Athenian civilization, Athenian society that allowed them to exile a fellow citizen for 10 years if it was decided unanimously. Uh, We'll get to the official means of doing this, but if it was decided unanimously that they were a disruption. So it's essentially like, you know, we're going to have to ask you to leave for a decade, which is not an insignificant amount of time. That's like a prison sentence.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if if you spend your 10 years in the figurative corner and you're still alive, then maybe you can come back and be a little better behaved. This is crazy. Uh, We've got some, I I like the way that New York Daily News put it when they said, this is an unpopularity contest. Correct, yeah, really, really, (laughs) really, really accurate. Yeah, there's no trial. There's no investigation. A bunch of people get together and they say, this guy's a real pill, or this person could be a danger to our democracy. Tell them to get out, and that specific phrase is also mentioned in the unpopularity contest. Is kind of also alluded to in Smithsonian Mag when they uh, quote historian James Sickinger of Florida State. He argues that this was a way to get rid of, like you said, old demagogues, potential tyrants, people who could damage or subvert the new fragile idea of democracy. This is what we're saying is you might have people who say, hey, I felt ostracized from a social circle. Or you might have someone who's like, oh, I was outside of this hotel and I felt ostracized standing in the smoking corner or something like that. Right. But this is way different. Uh, And this was uh, something Something that really also arguably subverted the law, because again, you were not guilty of a criminal offense. They were not like, we are ostracizing you, get out of town for ten years because you know you violated the um, what what you violated the toga length law or something like that.
0: Well, it could be that Ben. It could be that because it was, but but again, not specifically about a crime, more about going against norms and and mm-hmm. things that uh, um, enough people agreed was um, disruptive. Again, that word again disruptive, uh, which is really really interesting because it's really incredibly incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to do that in our political system. You know, it requires essentially voting someone out of office, and then they have the upper hand because aside from impeachment, which we know mm-hmm. doesn't work. Ever, uh, I mean, you can certainly, you know, enact impeachment proceedings, but I don't know that we've ever seen it happen officially in our lifetime, other than, you know, with Nixon. He didn't. He he would have been impeached if he had not resigned. You know, he would have been officially removed from office. We always misconstrue the idea of being impeached with being removed from office as a result of impeachment proceedings, Ooh. right? But yeah. this only required a vote of six thousand individuals. In the entire society, uh, which, I mean, I'm sure population had to play a a role in this, but to have someone ostracized. And again, according to uh, historian James Sickinger of Florida State, who you cited earlier, Ben, this happened at least a dozen times, uh, between 487
1: to 416 B.C. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the point I'm making with that toga reference is that what I'm emphasizing here is they were not found guilty legally exactly. of an offense. No. Uh, th- this vote, and, and of course, yes, this is ancient Greece, this is Athens, so it's not as though everybody could vote. Uh, this, this idea was, um, it took place uh, soon after the Athenian forces won the Battle of Marathon against Persian forces in 490 BCE, and they were trying to curb the power of any rising tyrant. And this is, historians believe that this is partially due to the fact that their old tyrant, Hippias, had been thrown out years earlier. And when he was thrown out, this guy, get this, he went with the Persian fleet to the Battle of Marathon, and he hoped that when the Persians won, he would, be, uh, he would be in charge of Athens. He would be reinstalled in power in Athens, even though most of the people didn't want him there. A word about the voting. If you're a citizen in the city-state of Athens around this time, that means that you are not foreign-born, you are not a slave, and you are not a woman. So even though the total... Number of citizens could be as high as sixty thousand. There was also, just like today, even though there are a lot of people in the U.S. who can vote, there are relatively few as percentage of the population who actually do. Right. So this was think of the voters here as the people who really had an axe to grind. Uh, But how many? You said there were. um, You said there were dozens that this happened to. But was it was it based on like, personal beef ever? It seems hard to get 6,000 people to have your back just because, you know, you don't like the guy who stole your girl at the dance or something.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. It it seems... uh, You're right. I mean, that seems like a high enough number. It'd be kind of hard to rig it. I mean, I'm sure many tried because it certainly seemed like a real foolproof way of getting rid of a political rival, you know, if you wanted to. Or I imagine perhaps... Uh, scandals could have been trumped up perhaps or, or in the same mm. way that you know a political rival might hire you know a private detective to photograph uh, someone in like a compromised situation that maybe the reality of isn't necessarily matching what the the picture would be um i don't know it's very vague but i think you know what i'm saying like mm. uh, there's there's ways of making people look bad when they actually didn't do anything wrong so that certainly could have happened too and if you can sway enough people public opinion i think that's what the 6000 represents right ben the 6000 is a microcosm of the greater population that represents public
1: opinion yeah yeah and maybe we could talk a little bit about the process here this episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by ment mobile So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black.
0: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
1: Experience the
0: music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's
1: my Amy
0: the big screen. I
1: want to be remembered for just being me.
0: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th.
1: Once a year, everybody would get together and decide whether or not to ostracize people. And they didn't have to just choose one person. It's theoretically possible that 6,000 male citizens could have gotten together and said, let's kick out 24 people because, you know, we don't like them. So first, there would be a popular assembly of Athens, the Ecclesia. And what, during the Ecclesia, about 6,000 male citizens would vote whether or not to proceed with ostracization by just raising their right hand. So you could kind of just read the room when you looked out in the crowd unless it was very um i guess unless it was very tense. I feel like if you asked for the vote and it looked like everybody was raising your hand then you've you've got the vote to go forward to the special meeting known as the ostracophoria, which was the without getting into the weeds of the calendar that was that was the next step, and then the voting was supervised by a council of five hundred people and uh, nine highest officials in the land who are known as the archons.
0: So, Ben, I mean, there were factions in these days, right? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is the earliest days of democracy, so there were parties, you could say. I mean, you know, there always have been. As long as people have uh, agreed to do things in a certain way, people have disagreed, you know? So I imagine... Mm -hmm. But I imagine that 6,000, correct me if I'm wrong, would have been made up of not just rivals of that individual. It would have had to be some sort of coalition, right? Some sort of uh across the aisle type situation. Otherwise, it would be just kind of a railroad job.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point because it would be it would be strange to imagine that these 6,000 people all got along together on everything. But when it was time to do the vote, the vote was anonymous, something that Athens figured out way before the US, if you've heard our our earlier episodes on voting in this mm-hmm, country. Mm-hmm. Uh they they took this piece of broken pottery uh, and they scratched the name of the person that they wanted ostracized onto that piece of pottery. And a lot of this is coming from agathe.gr, which has a great breakdown of how this worked, uh, as well as pictures of actual pottery shards where they would write the names. And so there were election officials or I guess voting officials who would collect these pieces of broken pottery and make sure that nobody was trying to rig the vote and vote, you know, multiple times. If there was a minimum of 6,000 votes cast, then the officials would announce which person had amassed the most votes. And then boom, that person is kicked out, exiled. You cannot appeal this, by the
0: way. Totally (laughs) uncontestable.
1: Yeah, you get um, yeah. like they tell you uh, uh they give you a, a little bit of time to get your stuff together and hightail it, right? I think they give you 10
0: days to your 10 years <laughs> to get your stuff together and get out of dodge. Um, by the way, agathe.gr is the website of the American School of Classical Studies at Athens mm-hmm. uh, and it overall is just a really really cool rich uh resource. Highly recommended if you're into like this kind of classical studies. But I mean, this would have been the
1: kiss of death, dude. Can you imagine? Yeah. uh, It's when you put it that way of like a day for each year, that that sounds really difficult. Um, It is interesting that you still get to keep your citizenship and apparently your personal property is not confiscated, at least according to the letter of the process, the letter of the law. But I don't know how much that actually held true in real life because someone's gone for 10 years. Does that mean that your family stays on your estate and looks after your property or something? Is it like a situation where, you know, your partner or your kids are like, Hey, we'll, uh, try, try to visit you. We'll is that even allowed?
0: House. Would that make them uh, lepers, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. or make them ostracized by default? I, we didn't really see anything in the research, to my knowledge, that imposes this, you know, fate on family members. Mm-hmm. But we know that does happen. There's certainly plenty of uh, situations where, I mean, hell, this is actually pretty progressive. You know, typically, when you think of this kinds of situations where there's, you know, political beef or, you know, someone is seen as a, as an undesirable usually they're just killed along with their family and all of their heirs. This is like a pretty thoughtful
1: way of doing business. Yeah, it is. It seems surprisingly progressive. Uh, If if you're ostracized, but you're not like guilty of a crime, you don't go to jail, you don't get tortured, you don't get fined. Ten years go by. If you're still alive, you can come back. And if you were in office when you got ostracized, you can still come back to politics. And what happens, right, if – you're you're up for ostracization, and they ultimately don't vote to ostracize you, you can stay. You can just kick it. And then, apparently, this is the weirdest part. Well, this is one of the weirdest parts. Apparently, after you voted, after you turned in your pottery shard, and after everything was counted, these things, which were called a straka, were just thrown in the street. And so... People who have been conducting excavations in Athens have found thousands, like 11,000 examples of these broken pottery votes. And this is like a window into the power politics of the day.
0: And I'm sure astute, uh, ridiculous historians have put this together already, but the term ostracized came from the term for this pottery, which mm-hmm. was a very, very uh, uh, durable baked pottery called ostraca, like you said, ostracized. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it, 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 11,000 examples of these means that they there were far more votes than actual ostracizations, mm-hmm. like successful votes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And... This is interesting because back to our historian Sickinger here, he says that written ballots were kind of unusual in Athenian democracy. And uh, during assemblies where people voted on laws, you just, you typically did what they did in the first stage of the ostracization vote. You just raised your hands. So if you think about it, these bits of pottery are hidden broken shards of history that often weren't noticed by the ancient sources of the time or the contemporary sources of that time because it's like, why would you write in depth about a vote that ultimately didn't result in something dramatic, right? That's just day to day. Uh, And, you know, people, like people, uh, had Maximilian uh, uh, William Assis There we go. Uh, All right, whatever, Max, we're going with it. And and, uh, they had that guy up for ostracization, but he didn't get the votes for the unpopularity contest. He's fine. Why would you write about it? We're done. We did the process. The process worked. We're throwing away our pottery shards. Um, That does seem incredibly progressive for the time. I agree with you, Noel, but we also found that there were some examples of abuse of the system, didn't we?
0: Yeah, we 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 do see that, and I just want to point out too at this point that this I said this was a kiss of death, and it certainly could have been, but there were plenty of examples of folks that returned. And were able to kind of you know get back into life, you know, almost like getting out of prison and being assimilated back into you know civilized society or whatever. But like I said earlier, I mean, it wasn't impossible to game this system. Um, we do have uh, <clears throat> historical evidence of you know small sects of, of of people that kind of colluded against the policies of a particular person because again, the fact they were able to return back to society after their ostracization does seem to indicate that uh, this was more about voting against people's politics rather than the, the people themselves, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of like, this isn't a perfect comparison, but you know, sometimes you'll talk to people who are voting in the U.S. and they're saying, well, I'm not really voting for this one candidate. I'm voting against the other one. You know, and you're uh, like somebody might vote to ostracize a certain individual in ancient Athens. But what they're really what they're really doing is they're voting against the policies. And when they vote against that person, what they're they're doing is supporting the rival policy or the rival idea. But then also people were much the same then as they are today. There's one funny petty thing here in Plutarch, Uh, in in his biography of Aristides, he says there was one guy who voted against Aristides, the just, just because he got tired of the guy having the nickname, the just. So it's like, imagine you're deciding not to vote for someone because you're like, I don't know. I think his tie is pretentious. I think his tie insists upon himself. Um, I don't like the cut of his jib. That's basically it. You could vote to kick someone out for 10 years because you don't like the cut of their jib. That's
0: absolutely right, Ben. And one example of potential abuse of this system was in the unearthing of 190 pieces of this Ostraca pottery in a well near the Acropolis of Athens, which we all know and love that amazing piece of architecture. Um, and the name Themistocles was written on all of them, but it was clear that it was done by just a few people's hands, just just a few different <laughs> examples of handwriting. So they must have rigged it in some way, uh, done a little ballot box stuffing, as it were.
1: Right? Yeah, and and I first off, I think that's hilarious. I don't know why they did it, but it's such a, an obvious case of cheating. I, I do have to begrudgingly note that they put some work into it because scratching that name in the pottery is tougher than just filling in a little bubble with a with a number two pencil or or just writing something on paper so they thought about it and they had to scratch that name 190 times <laughs> but uh, maybe it's people handing out pre-written votes. I think that's one of the speculations you know correct. And we have so many. We, as we said, there are cases where this uh, system worked. We know that the first like actual real life ostracism wasn't held until 487 BC uh, when a guy named Hipparchus, who was related to the tyrant we mentioned at the top, Hippias. He became the first person who was successfully exiled through the process of ostracism. And I think in the next two years, there were a couple more people, uh, and they were, historians largely believe that these three guys, uh, Megacles, Callius, and Hipparchus, were all found guilty or thought to be guilty of supporting Persia. And so they were like, all right, well, you know what? Come back in 10 years. Tell us what you think about it then. But, Noel, I have a question. If you're exiling people for the same perceived, you know, violation of norms or the same danger, what's to stop them from getting together outside of town? And, like, staging some sort of revolt? Right, right. You see where I'm
0: going with this? I do I see like... where you're going with this. It's a good question, Ben. Like some sort of like reverse lynch mob. I don't know. I think the numbers wouldn't be on their side. I don't feel like there was mm-hmm. any, there's any number. I mean, like the highest number to to your point earlier would probably be in the 20s. You know, I, I highly doubt they were like exiling enough uh, that they could come back en masse.
1: Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then uh, public opinion is already against them so much, they would have to get help from a foreign power. So if you, if you look at this and you just think about the relatively snarky nature of people, uh, you might, fellow ridiculous historians, assume that all of the prominent power players and politicians in Athens were at some point targets for ostracization or ostracism. You would be correct, ding, ding, first prize to you. Even the legendary Pericles was a candidate for this uh, treatment. We know that when they held these votes, they often concentrated on just like two or three people who might get kicked out. But some, according to these shards of pottery, these ostraca, some people that scholars never even learned about anywhere else also got really big votes for ostracism. (laughs) So uh, again, back to Sickinger, he says that writers from this time tend to focus on just the big names, the few big names. But if you look at these shards of pottery, you'll see there were a lot of people that didn't make it into the historical record otherwise that were a big enough deal for Athens to be concerned.
0: Yeah, that's right. And um, we, you know, again, we learn all of this from archaeological digs. And our historian, uh, Sickinger, um, had this to say about exactly what you're talking about, but, Uh Writers from antiquity quote, writers from antiquity focus on just a few big men. History was the history of leading figures, powerful individuals, generals and politicians. But others were maybe not quite as prominent, but clearly prominent enough that dozens or hundreds of individuals thought them worthy of being ostracized. That's very interesting, uh, because it sort of speaks to What you're talking about, Ben, I think what what the biggest concern would be is if someone with a lot of swag, because we know that even though it only took 6,000 votes to ostracize someone, we're talking about a population that dwarfs that number. So the issue would be if enough people were not on board with the ostracization of their guy, then maybe they'd follow him. And then that would be a coup that could be staged,
1: right? Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, There are serious political concerns here. Uh, But also, because this show is about ridiculous history, folks, we would be remiss if we didn't share some of the funny roasts and disses and, and things that were written about people when they were up for an ostracism vote. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
0: Experience the music and her story. Know
1: this. I ain't no
0: spy, girl. Like never before.
1: That's my daughter. That's my Amy
0: big screen.
1: I want to be remembered for just being me.
0: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Scentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Scentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like
1: You can see a lot of what Athenians thought about other citizens. Some have these, like, they didn't just write the name. They added some extra here's why to it. Uh, there's, like, Liegros Glaconos, slanderer. Yeah, uh, Kalexinus, the traitor. Exanthippus, Eraphon's son, is declared by this ostracon to be the out-and-out winner among accursed sinners. Wow. Like, Number one sinner, harsh,
0: bro. Harsh. And we have. Another historian to thank for the uh, the record of all of this and how it really informs what was going on with the politics of ancient Greece, Stefan Bren of uh, the University of Gießen in Germany. He actually cataloged all 9,000 pieces of this ostraca pottery that were um, dug up in uh, uh between 1910 and just as recently as 2005. And Bren says that uh, some of these comments, those uh, comments that we mentioned earlier, were these kind of personal political grievances against candidates um, that were perhaps used in almost like, yeah, like what you would think of as, as a, uh, a campaign. Right Leading up to one of these votes, so you know you would almost in the same way you lead up to like say voting for the Oscars for your consideration or the Emmys or whatever. they would have had these like slogans or you know the same with any political process leading up to it, so a lot of these things that were written would have reflected those types of campaigns
1: for sure. there were things like accusations of incest uh there were also there was one really interesting thing where. Some folks found examples of Athenians casting their votes, not for a specific human citizen, but uh, casting to ostracize famine. And according to Sickinger, it's kind of tough to tell whether this was sincere or whether this was sarcastic, because some Greek cities did have rituals where they would pick typically an enslaved person, make them a scapegoat representing hunger and then drive them out of the city. So it's a little bit faster and looser than a lot of voting today. Uh, But we do know that the end of ostracism occurred around 417 BCE. There was a guy named Hyperbolos who wanted to exile one of his two great rivals. He had two people that would rather not be in town, and he thought things would go better for me if I get one of them out of the game. These were Alcibiades and Nicias. But instead, his rivals teamed up and got him voted out of the city. And this political maneuvering apparently made enough people disgusted that they decided collectively to end ostracism And after that point, even though it was still legally possible to do this, nobody was ostracized Uh, and and it was still in the books until the fourth century BCE. Instead, if you didn't like someone, if you had a political rival, you would engage in a process called graphe paranoman, uh, where anybody could make a formal accusation against anyone else and say, hey, their ideas, their policies, their proposals, those are unconstitutional. And if the person you accused was found guilty of the charge, you would get fined. You'd have to pay a lot of money. And then there was a three strikes law. Can you believe it? If you lost three cases of Graf a Paranomen, then uh, you could no longer be in politics, which is funny because, you know, it's so tempting, Noel, to have to think that maybe modern democracies would be better with this kind of three strikes law for politicians? A million percent. <laughs> I mean, we should have some sort of uh,
0: mechanism like this. I wouldn't say, you know, leave the city for 10 years, but there should be some popular way to recall people that doesn't involve like all of this crazy uh, pedantic um you know kind of bureaucracy that we have to deal with. Cuz again like we've seen with uh you know we're not a political show. We're not we don't right. we don't put our we don't wear our political views on our sleeves, but I think we can all agree that there have been situations throughout history where perhaps we would have benefited if there was some accepted way of ousting someone at their very least kind of knocking them a couple rungs off of their pedestal, you know, for stuff that we would just consider absolutely unacceptable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, to have consequences for some, uh, actions of corruption or so on, like those consequences can frankly be hard to, uh, hard to follow through with in many cases. And this, this is something that led our pal uh, Gabe, to ask whether ostracism is worth a second look today. Uh, He was citing that New York Daily News op-ed we mentioned at the very, very top of the show. And this was an op-ed by Stephen Ruddy. And in this op-ed, Ruddy says, "...the process of ostracism holds advantages over the American system of impeachment." Because he notes that the Athenian process of ostracizing someone was based on policy often, right? And people would like your point earlier about how 6,000 people might not agree on everything, but they kind of went across whatever their faction lines were. One would hope. Yeah. yeah, One one would hope. And that doesn't happen with the US system of impeachment. It's impossible. Yeah, it tends to go around partisan lines. But with this, I think uh, we can see the very serious and progressive roots of a phrase that, (laughs) that a lot of us are kind of misusing in the modern day. I felt I told somebody that I felt ostracized for some of my, okay, I'll admit, stridently militant opinions about certain foods, you know, but that I, that wasn't ostracization. That was my friends uh, right. saying, hey, man, you're getting real <laughs> weird about quesadillas. I was still allowed to sit at the table. Well, that's
0: called an uh, intervention. That's not that, that's <laughs> right. the people that that's people that care about you and want to make sure you're OK. <laughs> they want you around. They just thought you maybe went a little too far down that quesadilla rabbit hole, Ben. But ben, think, we just want to help you, man. We love you. dude. We love you. We love you. I, love you. Mm.
1: Love you. I, I think. I know, Matt. I think we could have so much fun if, well, how do we define so much fun for us? If we're hanging out with some of our coworkers or something, and it's some like we'll just pick a point. They they have an opinion about something. It could be Alex Williams who composed our track. Alex says something. Uh, the, the three of us could exchange significant glances, and I'll bring the pottery shards, and then we can
0: put out pottery shards. Yeah, we'll We'll, we'll hit up Pottery Barn. <laughs> I think yes. all you would need would be one of those big planters, you know, and that's that'll be enough for, for our
1: vote. <laughs> just we don't need like,
0: 6,000, though, I think. That seems a bit much within our little podcast sphere. Maybe 20? 20, would 20. Do it. Mm-hmm.
1: 20 is ambitious on its yeah. own. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's great. But uh, but let us let us know what you think, folks. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think about the process of ostracization or ostracism, uh, whether it should return in the modern day. Uh, you can tell us all about it on our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historian. You meet the best part of this show, your fellow listeners. Uh, also, uh, we have an email address. Right? We absolutely do. It's
0: real. Uh, you can write to us at ridiculous at iheartmedia.com. Uh, I don't think people are. We need to start, like, maybe saying this at the top of the show, Ben. I still we don't lo- get the emails. I set up the email. <laughs> I don't get the email. This is crazy. Ben, you're I, once again being punished for being an honor student. My I friend. vote to ostracize IT. Ostracize IT. I love that. That's a good slogan. <laughs> Second. Good chant. Um, yeah. We, Second. We thirded. Sh- thirded. <laughs> we should thank some people. Right? Doesn't that mean we have a quorum? Isn't that a quorum what we have here? We have a quorum. <laughs> I forget parliamentary procedure, but we will thank some people who we definitely do not want to ostracize. That's Of course, you already mentioned Alex Williams, mm-hmm. uh, who composed our theme. Max Williams, super producer uh, of the year, of the century, of the millennium. Um, you would have been a really great Greek praetor or something. You know, one of those like dudes that wears the robe and just holds up two fingers and looks very like a uh, mystic.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you would also have been a great orator, Max. Uh, you've got some gravitas about you. Uh, speaking of gravitas, of course, big big thanks to uh, Casey Pegram, Christopher Hasiotis, Eve's Jeff Coat, our shining star of research, Gabe Lusier. And, uh, Noel, I have to ask you, Max, I have to ask you my last question for the day. Real talk, would you vote to ostracize the Quister? I don't know, man. I kind of miss the guy. Yeah. Yeah. We should check this out. Let's let him stay. Stay. Let's let him stay. All right. Nobody telling me said that, but yeah, agreed.
0: We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm to front door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit lazarusnaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
0: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now?
1: Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all?
0: We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that
1: is, my friend, Smaller Ships.